0: much each of you. Thank, Thank you so much for your support over the years. Thank you so much for the way you contribute to the ministries that we're involved in. You are just our beloved ones here. And so we do really appreciate all that you do for our Lord and all that he does through you. And so thank you once again for your kindnesses to Joyce and I and for your goodness to the Lord in the way that you serve him. And I don't think I've been here since we went to the Philippines. Have I been? I haven't been here since we went to the Philippines. We, you know, we, after serving the Lord there for so many years and then coming back, it was a long time before we actually got back this time. We went back for our, our grandson's uh, graduation from high school. And that was amazing, because now, after we were there for 28 years, now our daughter Kim and Larry have been there for, this will be their 16th year at Faith Academy coming up. Unbelievable. And so our grandson kind of grew up there, he graduated from Faith Academy. And I'm not one to boast, but I'm going to boast, because out of that entire senior class, our grandson was, by the, by the teachers and by the coaches, he was voted to be the most... Um, what, a most outstanding senior boy athlete, and then he was voted to be the most outstanding senior boy of the entire class. What a wonderful blessing it was just to, just to be there and be a part of that. And we enjoyed being with the people that we had served with for so many years. We, we just rejoiced in the Lord, having seen their growth and maturing in the things of God. And so it was a wonderful, wonderful time for us Now, Kim and Larry are in the States. They'll be home getting Tyler into college. He's going up to Calgary, Alberta. Why do you want to go to Calgary, Alberta? I don't know. I do know why he's going. Because they have a wonderful photography and media program at the school at Prairie Bible College, and so that's where he's going to attend. And so if you know Tyler at all, you know his passion, and that is his passion for sure. Turn with me, please, now to the book of Ephesians. Now this is a tremendously familiar book to most of you in this room. Most of you have studied this over and over, and as a teacher of the Word of God, it is a challenge sometimes for us and for you who teach the Word of God, which is a responsibility that most of us have and are responsible for, whether we do it openly in front of a congregation, or whether we do it teaching our children, or whether we do it just teaching a men's group, or a Sunday school group, we all are those who need to know the Word of God, and to be able to teach and share the truths that are in the Word of God. So this is tremendously familiar to us, but those of us who have known this book for many, many years, and have studied it for many, many years, it's a challenge for a teacher to get up and teach Oftentimes, I've told people over and over again that I never preach the same message twice. And it's it's really true. I I never try to to preach the same message multiple times because I like to stay fresh. I like to be fresh. But there are truths that never change. And the truths will always be the same. And so those things never change. Maybe the way it's presented might change a little bit, but the truths never change. Let's begin reading in chapter 1 of Ephesians. It's going to be our goal through this week to go through some of the salient portions of Ephesians. The challenge is going to be to us to stand firm. Stand firm. And that's what you'll get at the end. Because the things that you learn at the beginning, the things that he teaches you in the beginning, as is typical of Paul, he will teach you the doctrine, he will teach you truths in the first portions of his letter. Then in the last portions of his letter, he will apply them. And when you get to chapter 6, it's going to be be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Then he's going to tell us to stand. And that word there means to stand and hold your ground. Hold your ground against the enemy because our battle is not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this present age. And so he's going to prepare us in these first chapters to get us ready to give us the exhortation of the latter chapters. So let's read. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And may the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his precious word. And let's pray for just a moment. Father. How wonderful it is to hold your word in our hands how wonderful it is to know that you have spoken how wonderful it is to be able to learn of you learn of your grace and of your mercy and of your the benefits that you have poured out upon us as those who have placed our faith and trust in you so father we ask that you would lead and guide and direct by thy spirit Because if anything of any eternal value is going to take place this morning in our lives, it will be because your spirit has been working and speaking and talking to our hearts. And so, Father, we want to commit ourselves to this end and ask for your blessing and encouragement and help. In Jesus' name, amen. William P. Tuck. I don't know if any of you have ever listened to any of his messages or any of his um, ministry. He used to be... a a professor at the Baptist Seminary in uh, Kentucky, in Louisville, Kentucky. He was actually the president of that that seminary for, for a number of years. And in his sermon that he gave was called, We All Need Roots. He told the story of a man at a, it was at an American Legion convention that got up, went up to the front, stood before hundreds of people, and as he stood up, people in the audience just started getting a little nervous. They started to move a little bit like something was not right. And the man was up, and he, he could tell in his eyes that he was, he was a little bit frightened. I mean, standing before all those people would be one thing, but this man was a, a man who had spoken many times. He got up, and he's, he appeared to be a little frightened. He didn't quite know what was going on. And all of a sudden, he says to the hundreds of people there in the audience, who am I? Who am I? Something happened to him, a glitch in his mind while he was sitting in the audience and when they ushered him up onto to the platform and he looked down at the people, he had lost the memory of who he was, of his past, of everything about himself. For some reason in that moment of time, he did not know who he was. Who am I? Who am I? Peter Sellers, I think most of you remember some of Peter Sellers' movies, that great British comedian and actor. It would oftentimes, people would, uh, he would get so involved in the roles that he was involved in, so involved in the act of the individual that he was playing, that he would sometimes have difficulty separating the one he was playing from who he was. And it is told, the story is told, that one time he Uh, A a person, a fan came up to to him and said, are you Peter Sellers? And he looked for a moment, thought for a second. He said, not today. (laughs) And off he went. Not today. Who are we? Who are we? Who are you? I mean, I know you. I know your faces. I know your personalities. I know much about each one of you in this room, or most of you in this room, not every one of you because we have some visitors with us this morning. But who are we? It sounds like a crazy question to ask of a group like this. Who are we? Who are we? In the world in which we live, things are becoming more and more confused. Things in this world are becoming more and more difficult to comprehend. It's becoming more and more important for us to understand who we are. Who are we? Who are we? That's a question many young people will ask of themselves, whether it's in whether it's in middle school or high school or college, they'll come to a place in their lives where they'll say, Who am I? Who am I really? Who am I? And it may be just a crisis that they're going through. It may be uh, because of the surroundings in which they're in. They're trying to identify who they are. Who are we? This world, this country in which we live, if you have not noticed, is in a mess. We are in a mess. We are in some dire times. We are in, as Paul would write to Timothy, perilous times. Perilous times that we are living in. Who are we? And in, in its moving forward so rapidly away from God that it becomes essential for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. To stand our ground. To stand our ground. Who are we? Stand our ground. And in order to stand our ground, in order to be those who stand and stand our ground in our faith, in what we believe in and who we are, we need to ask that question of ourselves. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? We identify ourselves by our family name. We identify ourselves sometimes by our work, by our professions. Sometimes we identify ourselves by by uh, where we live, by our backgrounds. We identify ourselves by all these different things in this world, but for you, and for me those who have placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, for you and me, there is more to who we are than simply that which connects us to this world. There is more to us than that which simply connects us to this present world and to this present age. Now you'll remember, because we taught on this before, you'll remember back at our forward, I suppose, in in the book of Hebrews, when he speaks about the glory of who God is. He begins by saying, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's. And we know from our own personal study and from hearing the teaching of the Word of God that that last word that he used, worlds there, isn't speaking of the cosmos. It isn't speaking of the planet. It is speaking of the eons. It's speaking of the ages. He made the ages. He made the times. And so as I've told you here before, because he made the ages and he made the the times and he is the sovereign God, you are living in this age and in this time with the challenges of this age on the church because God placed you here. He put you here. It wasn't by accident you ended up in this age. It wasn't by some quirk in the time continuum that you ended up in this age. You ended up here because God is the one who ordains the ages. And he is the one who brought you into this world for such a time as this. Do You remember those words? For such a time as this. Those were, those were the words that were shared to Esther, remember? By Mordecai. How do you not know that perhaps you are here for such a time as this to spare the people of God from destruction that has been deemed for them? And you are here for such a time as this. The world, the country that we live in is in a mess and it is in turmoil. But for you and I, there's more that connects us than simply this world. We are not only connected to this world. We are those who live in the spirit of God. And we are different. I remember being in the Philippines. And uh, one time I was going to, to speak at the uh, naval base at Subic, Subic Naval Base. And the first time I got, got on base... Joyce and I were, in, were you with me? I think yes. Yeah, she, she was with me. We were both in a car, and we were coming up to the gate of the naval base, and there are the guards at the gate, and the guy who was driving us was a sergeant, a Marine sergeant, and they come up to the gate, and they stopped him at the gate, they rolled down his window. They asked him about what was going on and who we were. They walked around the car. They looked in the other window. They asked us for ID. We gave him ID to prove who we were. They wrote our names down. They did all of that. And then finally, they opened up the gate and let us go through. Well, later on, the next time we came, and it was the same, same weekend, but the next time we came, we were accompanied by a full bird colonel. He pulled his car up to the gate, and they saluted, and they opened the gate. They never asked a single question, and we went right through. Not a single question was asked of us. Nothing was asked for us now. This makes, makes us think about who we are as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. On my own, On my own, I could not stand a chance of entering through that gate without someone. At that, at that naval base. I could not, I didn't have a chance of getting through that gate if I didn't, wasn't accompanied by someone. And the same thing is true. I just don't deserve the right. I never could have earned the right. But when I trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, I became identified with him. And now I can pass through not only the gate of a naval base, but into the presence of the almighty God. Into the presence of the almighty God. Because I am in Christ Jesus, I have free access to God's favor in this life and a sure hope of entering heaven's glory. Knowing who we are is imperative for us in this age. So let's take some time. Okay, my time is going to get away from me quick this morning, but let's take some time now to look at who we are. You remember this sentence begins at verse three and runs all the way down to verse 14. It's one sentence. It's one sentence, it's one real long um, run-on sentence that is written. And if you had this in school, your teacher would run a red pen through it and show you where you're supposed to put the the punctuation, where you're supposed to put the commas, where you're supposed to put the periods. But this is inspired by the Spirit of God and it is one long sentence that declares to us who we are because we are in Christ. Listen to the way it begins in verse 3. It begins this way. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. He uses the same word three times, doesn't he? In that verse, he uses the same word three times. And that word in its root means well spoken of. To be well spoken of, but when it's used the first time, it's used as an adjective. When it's used the second time, it's used as a verb. When it's used the third time, it's used as a as a noun, a singular noun. So each time it's used, even though it's the same word, the endings and the word itself changes, but the meaning also will have to change to ad- adjust to the grammar of which it in which it finds itself. So he begins with, he begins with. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is, an adjective. And an adjective does what? It describes something. There are several adjectives in here, but it describes the noun that is near it, or the pronoun that is near it. This is a description of God. He is the Blessed One. God, the Blessed One. So we we know that this word, Ilegal or Ilegatos here is, is the idea of one who is well spoken of. But when you make it as an adjective, I like the way one translated this. One translated it, adorable is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To be praised. When you say it that way, to be praised, you've now made it a verb. Praised, blessed, adorable is our God and Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is God the Father, one who is adorable to your heart? Do you adore the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Do you? Do you adore him? Or do we give him lip service, give him an occasional reading, give him occasional prayer, or is our life surrounded by encompassed in our love for the father who gave his son for you and I he is the adorable one he is the one to be adored he is the adorable one blessed be god blessed the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us he's blessed us and now we get to the verb And this verb is in a past tense. It's an errant tense. It's active. It's what God did. God blessed us. You see, it's a past tense. It doesn't say right here in this place. We know that his blessings continue to be flowing to us, and we're going to see that as we go. But he blessed us. Each of us who know him as our Savior, we have been blessed, well spoken of, By God, the father. And how can we be well spoken of by God, the father? Well, we find it in the following verses because we are found in his son. In the son. We have been blessed and we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. We have been blessed with every, that's an adjective that goes with, the, goes with the spiritual, which is also an adjective, describing the blessing that is the noun now. And it is a singular noun. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. But see, the adjective describes that it. it is more than one, but it is a blessing that God has given to you and I. You and I. Our blessed people. You believe that? Well, you better believe it because the word of God just said it. And we have been blessed with a few spiritual blessings. No. We have been blessed with pas. We've been blessed with every, all spiritual blessings. There's nothing that we lack. He has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness in his son. Everything that we need, he has provided. And we're going to see that this first portion of his word, this first portion of Ephesians, is going to set for us all that we have, all that we possess, because we are found in Christ Jesus, and because we possess all of these things, is why we can put on the armor of God. At the end of the book, because it's the same things back there that are your armor. It's the same things back there that are your defense. It is what you find here that is your defense there. You're blessed with every spiritual place, blessings in the heavenlies. You know that's a curious phrase, isn't it? Do you find that curious? Or do, or do you all understand it with absolute certainty? It is in a realm that we do not even physically see. And all these blessings that we possess, we do not even physically see, but they are just as real and just as tangible. You don't use that term of things you can't see, but they are just as tangible as what you can see and feel. Do you believe that the spirit world is just as real as this one. Oh, certainly it is. And we have been blessed in that heavenly realm. And that heavenly realm gives us also the place where we do battle. We do battle in the heavenlies. You are not fighting against flesh and blood. And we're going to emphasize that several times as we go through these next few weeks. Because we need to remember, brothers and sisters, that our battle is not against Men and women, it's, it's not again—it's not us to be hating men and women who are different from us and different from, uh, to us who may be living in sin, may be living sinful lifestyles, may be living in ways that are not honoring to God, but you cannot expect that an unbeliever is going to live like a believer. You can't expect it. And we ought to guard ourselves that we do not hate what God loves. God loves the sinner. God sent his son to die for the sinner. And you and I were sinners, and he saved us, and he can save them too. And the gospel is what we bring. The gospel is what we preach. In gentleness and in love and in compassion, we preach the word of God without hate because our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and power this present darkness. And we will take criticism. We will get canceled. We will be ridiculed. We will be hated by those we seek to love with the gospel of Christ. And we must be ready to just stand our ground. Stand our ground. Now, what are some of the things that he has given to us? Now, most of these things that we're going to see are positional things. They are things that we possess Because now we are in Christ. He says this, just as he chose us, and that again is a past tense, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And what did he choose us for? That we would be holy and without blame before him in love. You notice this portion isn't dealing with your salvation. It's not saying he chose you before the foundation of the world to save you. He's saying before the foundation of the world, he chose that you would be holy and without blame. That was a part of his purpose and plan. And when I came to know Christ and you came to know Christ as as your Savior, he made you holy. He made you without blame. That's a position that we hold. We hold that position. And Lord knows the way we live our life. Sometimes we could be blamed for a lot. And we're not very holy sometimes. But positionally before God, because of the finished work of his son, we are holy and without blame. Oh, my brothers and sisters, to me, it's wonderful to be without blame. It's wonderful to be without blame. Even though I may blame myself often, and I may feel guilty often, that I may feel like I have failed often. Before God, he sees me in his Son, and I have no more blame, no more guilt, and I am holy. But you also remember that in this holiness and this blamelessness, we also, even though it is a position that we hold in Christ, It is also something that the rest of the Word of God will teach us, gives to us a responsibility to be holy, to live holy, to live separated from the things of the world. It is not simply a position that we take and say, okay, I'm holy now, praise God, I can go out and do whatever I want to do. As the Gnostics would teach, which is a problem that entered into this church. You can do and sin in any way you want to sin. Just go ahead and do it because you're already holy. But the rest of the word of God does not teach you that. It says, come out from among them and be holy, says the Lord. Come out from among them. Be separated from the things of the world. Do not live like the world lives. And we're going to see that again as we move forward in in this book, even in this chapter that we ought to be different. We ought to stand out in this world because we have a position of holiness, because we are without blame, we ought to live, seek by the power of the Spirit of God to live up to what we believe. By the help of the Spirit of God to live up to what we believe. How are we doing? How are we doing? Is our... As we look out at our world, and I'm going to have to close here because I'm getting to the time because we're going into corporate prayer in a minute. When we're living in a world that has so much confusion and there are politicians and stuff that are are bringing up things that we just cannot possibly agree with. There's confusion among genders. There's confusion among birth rights. There's confusion among women's rights, there's confusion among so many things in this world. Be on guard that you don't hate those who are confused, that you don't despise those who are different and who are lost without a Savior. And be be advised that our responsibility is not to speak hateful words, not to speak hateful words, but to speak words of the gospel of Christ that can save and change a soul. Are you willing to stand your ground? Not agree. We cannot agree. There's much in the world that we simply cannot condone and agree. As I said earlier, I cannot hate what God loves, but I cannot love what God hates. And God hates sin. And He hates those who are... In a lifestyle of sin. But he does not hate the sinner. And nor should we. Nor should we. We are to be Christ-like in this world. And it will cost you. And that's what we're going to find out in the weeks to come. It'll cost you. It'll cost you. It may cost you your job. It may cost you in a whole bunch of different ways. If we stand for what is true. If we stand for what is right. And yet at the same time, seek to love those who hate us. The Lord said it would be like that, didn't he? He didn't say, oh, everybody's going to love you. They will hate you. They hated me, they'll hate you. Are you ready? This is not the America that we once lived in. It's not the America I grew up in. Things are changing and it's changing rapidly. And we are those who need to stand shoulder to shoulder, not only with our group here, but with all those who name the name of Jesus Christ and proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ unwavering, unwavering, unafraid. Father, we give you thanks for your word. We thank you for the truths of your word. We pray that, Lord, you would speak to us through your word that you would use us in this messed up world to bring the gospel to those who will listen. And you, even those who do not listen and care that they would have within our lives, lives that are compassionate and loving and caring, but not condoning the sin that we find in this world. So, Father, we ask your help and your encouragement as we walk through this next week. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.